The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. If you have your phones or your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull, uh, pull them out and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first five verses. And we're going to be looking at uh, tonight the significance of Christ crucified. As you know, we've been on this sermon series, the Apostles' Creed, for quite some time now, just walking through the template that it is a, it is a statement of faith that so many Christians have said for so long. It, it was created well over a thousand years now. And so for all this time, we have had Christians well before us that have been saying this statement. So we want to join with them in, in affirming what it says, affirming all the truths that it says, and go back to Scripture to find that truth solidified. Because we are always looking at Scripture. And so um, we will be looking, like I said, at 1 Corinthians. But before that, I want to just go through the Apostles' Creed. We've already gone through a lot of it so far. But um, we are, we're at the bottom line now. But let's go ahead and read through the whole thing if you want to read with me. And then we will jump right into it. Are you ready? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was crucified by the Holy was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I'm already back on the sermon. So I'm back on the sermon. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit? My bad. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified. There it is. Died and was buried. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. Is seated at the right hand of the Father. And will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Or amen. Thank you. Um, great. Thank you guys for that. And so yes, we will be looking at was crucified, not by the Holy Spirit, he, was, he died and was buried. Um, and so let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first five verses. Do you guys have it um, either pulled up or turned to, depending on what you're using? If you don't have a Bible, um, I can go ahead and get you one really quick. I know, he opened a door. It's crazy. Uh, okay, here you go. Cam, uh, do you want one too? Anyone else want a Bible really quick? Okay. Okay, there you go. And Jasmine. Um, and again, I like to say this. Those of you who just gave you that Bible, if you don't have one at home or you uh, don't have one easily accessible, I would encourage you, keep that. That is yours, and it's just a gift for me, too. We want you guys to have access to the Word. And so uh, please utilize that. Uh, and if you, if obviously you have your own, uh, I can see a lot of you have it with you. I would encourage you to continue bringing it and uh, reading it regularly. And then also... I think I sent out a text to a lot of you. If you want to start bringing a journal, that would be a really great opportunity to be able to jot, out, jot down notes, jot down thoughts, prayer requests. Um, I have recently got into the, recently got into the habit of uh, journaling, and I think it's just an amazing, I really do think it's an amazing discipline, not a feminine discipline, man. Um, it is not, 
feminine to journal. It really, I mean, it slows down life for me. I think it's just awesome. I'm getting off on a tangent. This is not on my notes. But I think it's awesome to be able to just slow down life. Life gets so crazy sometimes. Someone asks you, hey, what'd you do yesterday, uh, Tuesday? And you're like, oh, man, I actually have no idea. It was like 24 hours ago. And I think life just gets crazy. And so just stopping every once in a while and just thinking, like, what happened today? What are some significant things that I have thought about today or wrestled with? And, um, and I think it really does make quite an impact. And so um, I encourage you to bring journals uh, to just take notes. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first five verses, and it will also be on the screen so you can follow along. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance or as most important. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas and that and to the twelve. And then to the twelve. Sorry. So as you know, a lot, I guess a lot of you guys know, uh, I'm planning to get married here pretty soon with um, my beautiful bride-to-be soon. Soon-to-be. Um, Sarah here in the front. Bride-to-be soon. Uh, uh, um, So we're getting married here pretty soon in January, and so I'm really excited for that. I would like to say it's been a blast in the planning process of of it, but I actually don't know because I really have just not done a lot of it. Sarah has been amazing. I just kind of leaned on her and just trusting her uh, planning it. So anyway, but part of the planning process of planning a wedding is the registry, and that's actually like a fun part. I told Sarah, like, I, I want a part of that. Don't do that without me. Like, I actually, because that's the part where it's just like a Christmas list, where you're just writing down everything you can think of that you want, and like, who doesn't want a part of that? Um, but believe it or not, as fun of a thing as it is, the registry started to become a thing where we started button heads, like, we don't fight, okay, we don't. Uh, but we, we, have, we, we have these strong discussions about things <laughs> and and the registry was one of those we started talking about what and so like I'm, I, I like to read so I really like books so I was like you know let's just put a bunch of books in there and she's like books aren't going to cook our meals books aren't going to I was like yeah but books will be great to have when we don't have meals and so uh, we started talking <laughs> Like, you know, so I'm really pushing for books, and I'm really wanting, like, hey, let's, uh, you know, typically register at, like, Bed Bath & Beyond or Target, um, you know, these things that have, like, a broad range, right, of, of things. Um, I was thinking, like, let's do Home Depot or Lowe's. Let's get some tools. And, um, again, she wasn't crazy about that idea. Instead, Kate, she, I get it, she was talking about the essentials, the necessities, right, cookware and all that stuff, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, I mean, she was going on to... To, like she was headstrong. I don't. I don't care. Maybe she disagrees right now, but this is my story, so I'm going to say it the way I like it. Um, <laughs> she was headstrong about like coasters, and I'm. I, we we had different households growing up, just styles of eating. Like she, they. I I learned kind of table manners. To be honest, um, whenever I started dating her, just not that my like 
family's barbarians, okay? But like, we didn't have like the cloth over our, over our laps. We didn't have like the coasters for our drinks. Like I really had no idea what to do with my silverware next to my plate um, until I started dating her and I just felt kind of weird at first. Um, and so she's like pushing for coasters and, and like those cloth things that sit on your lap while you eat. And napkins, cloth napkins. I, I, yeah, I got the, I got like Dixie napkins, like paper napkins. Okay, that's great. And you just throw them away and just kind of crumple it up and leave it next to your plate while you eat. Um, so we're talking about registry and like we're, she's like pushing. We need coasters. We need coasters. And I'm like, that's a waste of money. We don't need coasters. We, and um, and so it was just on and on. And she, and she wouldn't let it go. She would. <laughs> She looks at me like, no, I wouldn't let it go. I admit it. I wouldn't let it go. I really didn't want, uh, but, but we, not only are we getting coasters, we already, they're already checked off the list. We've got, they were like one of the first things we got. And it's actually um, some friends back in KC. Uh, they are a huge blessing to us. And so uh, they got it and blessed us with it. They really are pretty amazing. They're just not like some average coasters, okay? Like they're like ingrained, like, um, Isaac and Sarah, Worley, established, like, uh, and so, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's pretty great. They're, they are some serious coasters, okay, if I'd ever seen any coasters before. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just want to, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on this. This is a fun little story that I shouldn't spend so much time on, but they were like the most important things um, in our discussion, which is crazy. They were, they were, they were uh, of, of great importance when we were talking about the registry. All of that fun, all of those games to talk about um, what is so important. And I actually want to specifically talk about 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. What is of most importance? What is most dire? What is uh, significant to dwell on? Not like coasters. Uh, what is of most importance? So we just read 1 Corinthians 15, the first five verses, and I really want to just hone in on and take some time to really focus on verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance or most importance, dire importance, that Christ has died for our sins according to the Scriptures. I think this is truly the most important thing that we can ever know or ever believe, ever say, it has the most significance in our lives than anything else ever could. I really think it's important that, or interesting at least, that, uh, that Paul says this. This is of first importance to you, okay? If you've ever read, read the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, he talks about a lot of stuff. He covers a lot of ground in this book. He's talking about spiritual gifts. These things are amazing, spiritual gifts. Um, he talks about how to treat one another and how to live in community. There was division in the church, and he's talking about be unified, be... be um, uh, be, be kind to one another. Include one another in your... And so these are great things. But he, he doesn't tack on... But this is of the most utmost importance to any of those. What he does, he, he, he leaves that to be that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And it continues on in verse 4 and 5. All of those things aren't of first importance. They are actually hanging on that Christ died for us, our salvation, who we are in Christ, that we can't be unified with one another without Christ first dying for us and being unified in him. We can't have spiritual gifts without first having Christ died for us and giving us relationship with the Almighty God that gives us these spiritual gifts in the first place, right? We can have so many, some really great things, but there is nothing, nothing in this world 
that is of more importance than Christ crucified and dying for our sins. And we can go on about what all that really entails. Um, God's comfort whenever we're going through hard times. That's amazing. But if God making us feel good is the center of everything, we've really missed out on the gospel. And that's kind of like, oh, well, hold on, hold on. Because God's comfort is amazing, God's, but God's gifts are amazing. God's all these different things, but if it's not rooted in the fact that Christ was crucified and died for us and gave us a relationship with God, it's not of first importance. It is secondary to and always is secondary to, supplemental to the fact that Christ unifies us to, to God the Father and uh, the, the Trinity as a whole. Jesus Christ is our mediator and the one that brings us in relationship with God. Everything is secondary to it. And so what, is, what does it mean that Christ crucified? What does the cross really mean? I don't think this is spelled out in, in clear uh, just description as much as it should. I think this should always be talked about every single uh, sermon. What, what does the cross mean? Well, I don't think it takes too long for us to realize that we are uh, not the best people. Okay? Um, I don't think it takes too much investigation, too much soul searching to see that we are not perfect. We are actually really tainted. We are... Um, Isaiah says, um, and I think chapter 63, that our best acts, our most righteous days are but like filthy rags to God. We are not good. We aren't, and we have to embrace the fact that we aren't good because the next step of this story is, is the answer to that. So we aren't good, so we can't have a relationship with God because God hates sin. He hates anything that's not perfect. And so we have a disconnect with God, the creator of everything. And so because he loves us so much, because he is so filled with love, he sends Jesus Christ down to live the perfect life that we aren't, that we can't. He would die the death that we deserve to where now our debt, our sin, everything that separates us from God is now completely thrown away. We are now, uh, Christ took our place on the cross. We are now in relationship with God and we now can have eternity with God as long as we trust that Jesus was that mediator for us. That is, the, that is the gospel, and if we ever step aside from what is most important, that, that, that truth that we are no good, God loves us still. And so through Jesus Christ, we can have relationship with God. If we ever step away from that truth, we are not no longer looking at the gospel. We are looking at things that are of secondary importance. It is so important, and everybody needs to hear it. Everybody needs to hear it because I think it infects the trajectory of our lives. It, it, it completely changes the position of where we are in life and, and how we live. It changes our destiny, our eternity. It is the most important thing in our lives. I just want to keep saying, I know it sounds like a broker, but it's so true. It is the most important thing. And so everybody needs to hear it. Everybody needs to hear it. And uh, a quote that I, I, I have here that I think is just so uh, said so well by J.C. Ryle, I just want to read it, is that I tell you that at this moment, there are only two places in which your sins can be. Either your sins are upon yourself, 
unpardoned, unforgiven, uncleansed, unwashed away, or your sins are upon Christ, taken away, forgiven, pardoned, blotted out, and cleansed away by Christ's precious blood. I want to do a quick little exercise, okay? Get a little crowd participation. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to, you know, um, interact very much. I just kind of want you to be thinking uh, with me. I want you to picture, picture somebody that you know that needs Jesus Christ in their life, that is not saved, that they do not put their uh, faith in Jesus Christ. I just want you to think about that person in your mind right now. And I, and I don't want this, this probably comes off to some people like, oh man, this is a guilt trip. Like, oh, you need to really think, do you really love them? That's not, that's not what I'm doing. Um, it's really not because I actually, I have a lot of those names, a lot of those faces in my mind right now, uh, myself. I just think it's so important that we never forget uh, those people that, are, that God put in our life for a specific reason to be able to uh, share the gospel with them. I think that we should never go too long of a time without their, their name coming up to our mind and us thinking back to them. I think it kind of gets a little awkward or intimidating or scary to think about, oh, I need a witness, and so I just want to push it away. But I think we're really doing disjustice to what God has called us to do, to the mission of God, if we go too long of a time without thinking about those people that are in our lives. I think it should be a regular thing that's constantly in our mind. Not something that's intimidating or scary to speak to, speak to those people about Jesus Christ, but I think rather it should be um, a, a deep desire, a, uh, a passion, something that you want to go do, and not something that you're scared of, but something that you're burdened for those people that you really want to share with them. And so I want you to think in your mind right now of those people that you know personally. Now, if you would uh, think about Think about sin and how it is shown uh, to be so real in either your life or the lives of those who you know, um, and how it's kind of manifest, if you know what what that means. Daily experiences that you know of how hurt, pain, has been real in your life. It doesn't have to be sin that is real because of your own actions. It could be from someone else's actions. It could be um, someone really, really hurting you in a significant way. It could be depression, not you, you are suffering or somebody that you know is suffering from depression. This has been a reality in your life. Addiction, maybe that's a way that you know sin has manifested in, in the lives of those people that you know. Addiction is a very real thing or just getting constantly falling at, into the temptation of, of uh, whatever it is, these passions that some people may have. All these things are real that I think all of us wrestle with. Every single one of us in here are affected by sin in some way. I just named off three or four, but there is, there is unending possibilities of how sin can be real in our lives and be shown through the actions and the experiences that we have. These are all real ways that sin comes into our lives, but those are not the primary issue that you or I have. Though addiction is an issue, it is not the primary issue that you have. Though you may struggle with or you might suffer from from depression, but it is not the primary issue in your life, the pain and hurt that somebody might have uh, caused in your life. Though it may be the, the, the closest thing in your face and that's all you can see is this pain and this hurt. That is not the greatest issue in your life, though it may be the only one that you see. Because they are all rooted in something so much more deep, and that is just sin, the reality of sin, the nature of sin. And these are just symptoms of the greater issue. 
They are all rooted in a greater issue that we are living in a fallen world and we are fallen people and it's shown through all those different things that I just said, all those things that you were just thinking about, all the pain and the hurt and the addiction, anxiety. These are just manifestations of the greater issue of sin, the fallenness that we've experienced. They're symptoms of And those people that we just thought of in our minds just minutes ago, they're living daily, day in and day out, with depression and and addiction and pain and hurt without the hope of those being cleansed and wiped away. Like just like that, that quote that we had before. They they have all they're experiencing all the same things that we experience, the the effects of sin in our lives. They're experiencing all those same things without the hope that those would someday be cleansed, someday be taking off, someday the weight just and they'd be freed from it. That is the reality of sin that we all have the nature that we are all in, the the state that we are all in. But the difference is we we have this hope that we would be freed from it someday. The cross of Jesus Christ makes that difference. And so it is so significant that those people hear of the freedom that Christ offers, the salvation that we are offered to be able to live in eternity away from all those things, away from all the effects. So we experience it now. We have a hope of a future where none of that affects us and we are freed from the pain and the hurt and the guilt and the shame. That's why it's so important that Christ is preached to all people, all who can hear, because it is of the most importance It's of the most importance. It makes the greatest difference. That's why people need to hear of the cross. But I don't know. Actually, I do know it's not. Uh, It it shouldn't stop there. I was going to say I don't know if it should stop there. I, I know it shouldn't. I just want to read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2 again. Not the full thing, just the first two verses. Because I think it's really easy for us to forget this aspect, to go over the first two verses without looking at it, okay? We, Paul is writing to a community of who? He says, my brothers and sisters, a community in Christ. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people that are also believers, people that profess Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. These are people that are saved. And he's writing, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Okay, now I think you're getting my emphasis there. This is the gospel in which you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. I think it's so important that we experience the, 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 the reality of the cross just as much as we think that we need to preach it to other people. I think it's so easy for the cross to be this, this idea or the gospel to be this idea that's missional rather than a reality for ourselves. It's, it's something that, yeah, I experienced before, something that I needed to get in salvation, but now that I'm in salvation, like it's just something that I have to keep working to, to keep, right? I, I, I trusted that Jesus would die for my sins, but now it's up to me to, to you know, make sure I don't screw that up. It's just this reality that we don't think about the cross except for the point of, of conversion, I think that's, that's so wrong, and I think it leads to some serious issues in living out your Christian life that bogs you down because you're putting on a weight and this maintaining that was never intended to be your own. Never once was 
The cross of Christ is supposed to just affect you at the first day that you started believing. It's supposed to affect you daily, every single day as you live, as you wake up. You're supposed to realize that not only was I not good enough then, but I am still just as wretched as that day. And I'm just as in need of the cross. We're just as in need of the cross as ever before. It's one thing to accept God's grace to take you in to make you part of his holy family, but it's also one thing to trust that he's gonna keep you there and not to put that on yourself. Sometimes we see the cross as something that only affects us when we become a Christian. (laughs) And we forget that is just as important while we are Christians. Paul says, I wanna remind you of the cross that Jesus Christ died for you. Otherwise, we're on this treadmill of constantly trying to run, always constantly trying to to perform. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to screw this up. I, oh, did I mess it up? I, no, every single day. It is never, and it never has been by our actions that we are saved or are continuing to being saved or continuing being in relationship with God. It is never dependent upon my actions. How does this look? In our lives, I think there's three ways, and I we'll, we'll run through them really quick. If we if we truly believe that reality that the cross is the only thing that gives us salvation, the only thing that brings us in relationship with God, the only thing that is of utmost importance, and we really believe that, I think these three truths will. Um, well, you'll be able to say that it's, it's, it'll, it'll ring true in your own life. The first one is that you will live in trust and not in fear. What does that mean? Let me just kind of spell that out a little bit. We, you will live in trust and not in fear. You will trust that Jesus Christ really did take care of everything and that is not up to you. You will not start to question, did I really, uh, am I really still saved? Oh, I'm wrestling with, um, with sin and so I don't know if that messes up my relationship with God. We, if you truly live in trust, you will believe that Jesus Christ paid it all and you won't have to live in that fear of constantly wondering, am I? We sung about a rock that is our solid foundation. We read in 1 Corinthians uh, 15 that this is, the, uh, this is the gospel in which you stand on. It is firm, it is true, it is reality, and you don't have to, it, it's not a gospel that has somewhat a fear in it. It's not a gospel that's kind of shaky. If you really believe that Jesus Christ died for you wholeheartedly, it, is, it, it will impact you to have a trust in him and you won't ever have a shaking fear. You can relax in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is firm. You will live in trust and not in fear. You will live right out of love and not out of fear. You will live wholly out of love and not out of fear. Your, your actions of trying to be the best you can for God, because that is a good thing, right? Trying to be the best you can, trying to live a holy life, that is a good thing, but you will never do it out of fear or that you would impact what God thinks about you, that you won't be living a certain way because you think that it would change God's mind about you, but instead you are going to live the right way, try to be the best you can because you love him because he already has made that decision for you. You're not going to try to impact God's opinion about you by your actions, but instead you're going to live the best you can because he's already made his opinion about you, because he's already given you the salvation. And so now the way that we, the, the, the holy lives that we try to live is no longer now try to impress God, because <laughs> we certainly won't. Like I said, our, our actions are like filthy rags. So our actions are no longer just try to 
impress God or to make God happy with, uh, with us, but instead it is, God, thank you so much that it is not dependent on my actions. So now I want to live, I want to lay down my life to live the best I can because I don't have to be perfect. Our actions now become actions of thanksgiving, actions of thankfulness, of praise, of worship to God because he's already done it. So now our actions are just, thank you, God. Let me live for you the best I can. You will be living the best you can out of love and not out of fear. The last one is that we will live with hope and not with fear. And the second, I think it's the second chapter, um, just going off memory here. I think the second chapter of Ephesians, he's, he's saying uh, to live is Christ and to die is to gain. It's this aspect of when you have this salvation, when Christ uh, died for our sins, he gives us this eternity with him, we now have a promise, a future that is greater than anything we could ever imagine. And so now we aren't ever living in fear of worrying of what, you know, what, what could happen, um, what, what horrible things could happen, because none of those will ever be a, a, a greater pain than the amazingness of salvation in Jesus Christ, the, the eternity promise. It's like Job. Uh, I mean, we're, we're always reminded of Job. He was rooted in the reality of God being his God. And so it didn't matter what pains or hurt that he ever went through or ever experienced. He had a hope that was so much greater. That always would last. The hope was always so much greater than what he could ever experience or go through. I have a friend that, uh, and I'm wrapping this up here, I promise. Um, I have a friend that, Back in Kansas City, life hit him hard uh, at this one particular stage in life. He, he'd just gotten married, and within months, his wife left him, and he, you know, he had some serious things happen where now he's just, he's just shaken. What, I mean, you're, you're really just thinking, what in the world, God, what, what is happening? A lot like Job. But his hope and his foundation was in Jesus Christ. His salvation was in Jesus Christ. His greater, what what he knew to be true and amazing trumped anything would ever, ever happen to him in his own life that he could always look and say, yes, but I have something so much greater to look forward to. He could live not with hope, not with fear. That doesn't mean that uh, all the bad things in life will not happen. We're, We're going to all experience pain. We're all going to experience hurt. But we have a hope to look forward to past all that. And so whenever the reality of Christ, crucified, of utmost importance to us, is real in our lives, we can live in trust that Jesus really did die for us and, and we don't have to have fear that it's up to us. We can live out of love and appreciation to God because he did that and we no longer have to live out of fear, are my actions good enough? And we can live with a hope. We can look forward to the greater promise that Jesus Christ offers instead of living with a fear of what's going to happen, what's the bad, what's the, what's the uh, consequences that this horrible world that we live in is going to hit me with today because we have a hope to be freed from all that. This is the reality of the cross. Isn't it amazing? It's of utmost importance and the greatest thing that truly defines who we are. Something, I think, the reality of it needs to be something when we wake up, we just think about it. I'm not good enough, but I don't have to be because Jesus Christ is. And he, he, he was crucified and he died for my sins. He took my place. And now I can have eternity with him.
This is a reality that we all need to, to know and to embrace. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family,